Well, I hope you had a good afternoon, and I hope you are ready to listen one more time, and then sing, and then have a good evening, have a meal. It has been great to be with you. I know that the time goes quickly, and you all are busy and have lots of things going on, and I'm coming and going, so it's a little strange. You get a pastor that you don't know who comes in and speaks to you, and then he, he goes off, and what do you do with it? Well, there's nothing you need to do with what I say, but if anything that I've said is from God's Word, I hope that you'll be listening. I hope that you're thinking. I hope that later tonight you'll be talking about this. And maybe in the course of this whole 180 weekend, there's just one thing. Maybe there's just one thing, because you're going to have mom or dad, they're going to ask you, how was it? And you know what you're going to want to say? Yeah. Or it was fine. Or awesome. And then they're going to say, well, what did you learn? So if you have one thing you learn, one thing you're going to do, one thing you're going to put in practice, and don't don't overlook what God might be doing in a weekend like this. Maybe you look back in your life and like most sermons, you forget them all. I forget most of the sermons I've preached. But maybe there's something in a conversation, in a song, in a message, in something in this weekend. And God, you, you, you know in a way you haven't known before that God through his word is, is speaking to you. I was in... Well, I don't know how old, I don't even think I was 10 and I went to a, a conference, something like this, and there was a guy in our town and he was preaching a message and I went and I couldn't tell you now all these years later what it was about, but I can tell you that I, I left that weekend and I talked to my parents and I said, I, I, th I think I'm a Christian or I think I want to become a Christian or I, I think I, I, I want to make this Christianity my own. And maybe that's where some of you are. Maybe that's what God wants to say to you. We've talked about light. We've talked about walking in the light from 1 John 1. And we talked about God who is light, who is holy, who is big and massive in control from Isaiah chapter 40. And now we want to look at light in us, the light that God puts in us to then be outward facing and show to others. And I want to give to you the most famous sermon ever preached, which I promise is not the sermon that you're getting right now, but it's this sermon from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. So please turn there. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. Some of you will know what this is called. It is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. In the first part of Matthew 5, we have what are called the Beatitudes. Now, sometimes you hear that word and you think, well, it's the Beatitudes because it's the, it's the attitudes that we're supposed to be. But actually, that's not why they're called the Beatitudes. Beatitude actually comes from a Latin word that means blessing. So it actually, the word doesn't have to do with your attitude, even though that's fine to think about it, but it actually is called the Beatitudes because they're the blessings that Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. In other words, he is giving a summary of Christian character. He's telling us what it looks like to follow him. 
This whole sermon is about the kingdom now reigning and ruling in your life. What does it look like? You know, they use kingdom language because they had kings and kingdoms. We might say, what does it look like to be on God's team, to be a part of God's family, to work for God's company? What does it look like to be a part of God's building when he reigns and he rules in your life? What does it look like? And so we move from Christian character now to verse 13, Christian influence. What do you look like, not just to yourself, but to the world? Here's what Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what does it look like? to be a Christian in the world. Jesus gives two very famous analogies. He says, if you're a Christian, this is what, who you are. You are salt and you are light. Now look at verse 13. Now this is, this is subtle, but this is important. Jesus doesn't say you should be salty. Now that's sort of the force of it, but he actually says something different. He doesn't give you a command exactly. He tells you who you already are. He doesn't say, now listen, if you're my people, you better be salty. He says, you are salt. If you're a Christian, that's what you are. You are salt and you are light. Now, why do I emphasize that? Because, because Jesus here is not going to ask you to be something other than you are. He's inviting you to live out who you already are because you believe in him and you're his follower. This is really how the New Testament works all over the place in the books of the Bible. God tells us, be who you are. Now, be who you are in Christ. See, the, the, the world around us gives us that same kind of message. Wasn't, what was the, the great theologian about 10 years ago, that great theologian, Lady Gaga, who said, you're born this way. Uh, well, that's sort of half true, what our culture understands is you can, only, you can only operate out of your identity, your real self, who you are. And you get that message all around you. I just got to be who I am. I just have to find out who I am. I only can be who I am. Well, that's true. But the Bible says, instead of you were born this way, you can be reborn another way. Yeah. You, you know how you're born? The Bible says you're born in sin. You're born as children of wrath, of, of, of sons of, of wrath and destruction, that no one does good. No, not one. That's what we're born into. We need to be born again another way. And then when you're born again, and you're Christian, you're joined to Christ. Now he's, he says, be who you are. That's who you are. Have you ever, have you ever been somewhere where you feel 
just a little out of place because you know you're, you're not really the, the right sort of person to be there. I feel this whenever I go to, to get something for my car. I know nothing about my car. I go into an auto parts store and I don't know anything and I say it's, it's out of blinker fluid or uh, um, I don't know, I mean, what, it's making a, a big rattling noise. Or if I go, I, I taught myself years ago how to play the guitar. I don't play well like these guys. I, you know, played well enough to do G, C, D chords and play, play a praise song, but I, I'm totally a, a poser. And so if I ever go into a music store, you know, and there's guys there, they're always like checking out their guitar. Can I help you? Uh, do you have a pick? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing in this. I just feel like I'm, I don't quite belong here. I'm, I'm sort of a pretender. This is not who I, I really am. Listen, Jesus is not asking you to be something that you aren't. He's saying, if you aren't my follower, you need to be born again. If you are my follower, here's what I'm saying. You are salt. You are light. Act like it. Now, what was salt used for? Now, maybe some of you have grown up in the church and you've heard sermons after sermons and, you know, your pastor can, he can go for 45 minutes on a salt. Well, th there's a lot of different explanations of what they might have used salt for in the first century but here's the, the simplest explanation that everyone agrees on. You use salt in the ancient world to preserve things. It was a preservative. How many refrigerators did they have in Jesus' day? Zero. How many freezers? Zero. So what do you do when you want to keep something from getting spoiled, getting rancid out in the sun? You would put salt on it. It was a preservative because salt, okay, your, 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 your high school chemistry, or if I remember anything from mine, you know, draws water out of the food, dehydrates it. All living things, including bacteria, need water to live. And so when you put a lot of salt on it, it sucks up the water and it effectively kills the microbes there that would spoil food. So you would put salt on the food. Yeah, for, for taste, maybe. But more than that, salt was the ancient refrigerator. It was the way that you kept things lasting a little longer, kept them from spoiling. So what is Jesus saying when he says, you are the salt of the world? Does he say, you make everything taste so good? Well, not exactly. What he's saying is, you are in the world to help preserve against spiritual decay, moral rot. He says, if you lose your saltiness, what good are you? So Christians are salt. But he says, sometimes what happens to my followers is they lose their, their saltiness. <laughs> they get bland. They, they, they don't taste like anything. They, they're, they're just, they blend in to their surroundings. See, again, when you had salt in the ancient world, how, this is how they got salt. They would usually take salt water maybe from the Dead Sea, and they would evaporate the water. And what would be left then was salt. But part of it, if you're getting this water from the sea, is you would have salt that's mixed with sand and grime and dust and, and dirt. And over time, the salt might actually wash away from the salt, and all you're left with is some grime, some dust, some dirt. That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, that kind of salt isn't salty anymore. It's not good for anything. You don't want to put dust on your meat to try to preserve it. The same with Christians. 
Sometimes Christians, they, they, they start out and they're so passionate and they're so excited and their saltiness rubs off. Some of you are gonna leave from this weekend. They're gonna say, well, that was great. That was, that was awesome. I had a great time. I'm really serious about my faith. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I wanna start reading my Bible. I wanna share my faith. I wanna, I wanna learn more about Jesus. And it's gonna, you know how long that's gonna last? Monday. Well, actually, you got the Super Bowl first. So till about, you know, the national anthem. You lose your saltiness. Jesus said, when you lose your saltiness, what good is it for? What, what does it look like if a Christian is the salt of the earth? Well, it could be, okay, remember salt? Salt is what helps preserve, what helps prevent decay, rotting. So some of you, maybe some of you are going to go on and you're going to do big things in law and politics and the media and academy and people are going to know about you and you're going to have a Wikipedia page and you're going to have all, people are going to, and you're going to make a big splash. That's good. You could do that. But what if that's not you? It's not most of us. You can still do the right thing in a thousand little ways and show your salt in the earth. You could show it by being respectful. You can show it by the way you treat your parents, your teachers. You can show it by the way you treat your friends. Here's something that was, you're probably more mature than I was when I was your age, but when, when, when I was in high school, so this is going to be hard to imagine, okay? Hard to imagine. I don't think I was the coolest kid, okay? Just imagine it. I wasn't, okay? Just imagine it. But here's the one thing that, that I knew how to do. I wasn't the best athlete. I wouldn't, um, but I, 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 could, I could tell jokes. I could make people laugh. And so sometimes, well, actually not sometimes, more than sometimes, I would use that as a way to kind of at someone else's expense, Someone else who, you know, sometimes you get these, these sort of hierarchies in school. Like there's these people are that cool, but I'm sort of not, I'm like not here, but I'm not here, but I can be here if I say funny things to these people down here. I was a Christian. I went to church. I just, and somehow it never dawned on me. That's not what Christians do. And somehow you're, you're probably smarter than I was. Somehow I, I had this revelation. I think I was about, I think it wasn't until I was a junior in high school, maybe, maybe a sophomore. I had this revelation that if I'm really a Christian, it is more than Sunday. Now, again, you're smarter than I was, but I, I just, somehow that never sunk in. Christian was, yes, I go to church. I go to Sunday school. And I go to church in the morning and I go in the evening. And I come back on Wednesday night. That's, that's, that's what it means. And somehow it, it never clicked that to be a Christian meant Maybe I read a chapter in my Bible during the week. Um, maybe I don't make fun of people. Maybe I, I, I think about people who, who need to know Jesus. M maybe, maybe, this is, maybe this is something that I do and that defines me for my whole life, not just for a few hours on Sunday. It was revolutionary. You are the salt of the earth. Maybe it means you're not afraid to speak the truth. Maybe it means you're not afraid to love the person around you who seems so loveless. 
How, 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 do you, how do you do? You say, okay, I want to do this. I want to be the salt of the earth. I'm hearing you. How do I start? Well, in a way, it's as simple and it's as challenging as this. Look at the beginning of chapter 5, these Beatitudes I told you about. Remember, we've got to always take the Bible in context. So when Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, he's thinking of the things that he just talked about, these Beatitudes. What does it look like to be salt? To be an influence for good, a preservative against evil. It looks like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Maybe a little less showing off in your life, a little less pushing other people away. Blessed are those who mourn. So you don't make excuses for your sins. You, you weep over them. Blessed are the meek. Are you the sort of person that people are drawn to be around because you're interested in them and you're gentle toward them? Or, or are you the sort of person you're always full of your, your, your own accomplishments, your own bragging? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do people know you as somebody who is hungry and thirsty for good things. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. That's being different in the world. You know this, this verse here, verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. This, that verse has, has done the most in my life to help me fight against the temptation to see things I shouldn't see, Take second looks where I shouldn't look. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Keeping your eyes pure, keeping your thoughts pure, keeping your body pure. Because you can have people and pastors, whoever, just tell you, you know, don't do these things, don't do them, don't do them, don't do them. Bad stuff. Okay, it's true. But, but at some point, you need to fight pleasure with, with pleasure. You don't sin because you think it's going to be bad. You sin because you think it's going to be good. But God comes and he says, you know what? I, I, can, do, I can do better than sin. I, I, I can give you something better than this apple or whatever the fruit was in the garden. It looks good. You think it's going to taste good. I can give you something better, just like we sang here. So you see what verse 8 is saying? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the next time you, you're, you're tempted with, what am I going to look at? What am I going to see? What am I going to put on? What am, I, what am I longing for, lusting after? Where are my eyes? You think, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And you have to fight this fight this, uh, to believe that seeing God is better than anything the world has to offer. It will give you more joy, more satisfaction. That's what it means to be salt in the earth, to be different Blessed are the peacemakers. If you want to be a blessing in your family, if you got siblings, don't be a warmonger, be a peacemaker. You got friends, you got, you got people who are in conflict with each other, be a peacemaker. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Listen, listen very carefully. Because you need to get this now in a place like this where it's pretty safe, it's pretty comfortable. If you are going to be a Christian in our world, it may not be now, may not be this year, may not be in your high school, it will be sometime in your life. If you're a real Christian, it will cost you to be a Christian. And you need to purpose in your own heart right now, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. 
It may not be persecution like they have in some places in the world and you're beaten or put in jail. But are you willing to count the cost? Somebody's going to think, I can't believe what you Christians think about heaven and hell. I can't believe what you think about marriage. I can't believe what you think about you know, what you do with your body. You're absolutely backwards people. And the whole world will scream at you one way. Are you prepared now? Are you prepared to be different? Isn't it amazing that after these beatitudes, Jesus says, you're going to influence the whole world. You would think the way we normally think of these characteristics and the beatitudes, they seem like a very weak person. Who wants to be poor? Who wants to mourn? Who wants to be meek? You're going to put that on your your applications for for college? Tell us about yourself. I'm poor. I mourn. I'm I'm meek. I'm persecuted. Trash. (laughs) Uh, But I'm in the National Honor Society. (laughs) That's not what our world wants to hear. They want to hear, I'm a leader. I'm a go-getter. I've accomplished things. I'm successful. Jesus says, look, you mourn. You weep. You're merciful. You hunger, you thirst, you're exactly the sort of person who can make a difference in the world. God is committed to using salt. Think what salt, salt is common. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? Jesus didn't say, you are the gold of the world. That's what most, you know, high school graduation speeches are. You are the best class ever. You can do anything you put your mind to. Want to know a secret? You can't. You can't. I was not going to play professional football. I played one year in eighth grade. I still have bruises to show for it. Turns out this is not the body type to get hit. So I did running for people to stay away from me and not hit me. Wasn't going to do that. There's all sorts of things I wasn't going to do no matter how much I put my mind to it. Jesus doesn't say, you're the gold of the world. He says, you're salt. Common, ordinary salt. But salt can do extraordinary things. When God made man, what did he use? Dust. When God revealed himself to Moses, he used a bush. When he picked a king, David, he chose the smallest and the youngest. When he defeated the giant, he used just a few stones. When he brought the Messiah into the world, he used a young, unwed virgin. And when he wants to make a difference in our world, he uses salt. You are the salt of the earth. Now, here's the second image he uses. Not only you're the salt of the earth, verse 14, you are the light of the world. So what does salt do? Salt prevents decay, things from getting worse, things from disintegrating, from mold, from getting rancid. What does light do? Light illumines darkness. Do you see one is negative, one is positive? Salt prevents things from getting worse. Light shines and exposes so that things can get better. So if you're the light of the world, think about this. It means, first of all, that the world we live in is left to itself a dark place, a corrosive place. Many people believe the world is basically good. It just needs a little shining up. It's just like your shoes. 
You know, your shoes are nice and they get a little scuffed up and you just need a little polished and there's the world ready to go. That's not what Jesus did. The world, the world doesn't need just a little spit shine, a little polish. The world's dark. And if you're taking your cues from the world, if that's what you're picking up, if that's what you're beholding, that's what you're going to become. He says, no, that's dark, you're light. Which means that we are to be distinct and different. Now listen, so my, my, I have, I have seven, seven kids last time I counted. Uh, I don't know where they all are, but I have seven of them. Um, one and a half, and then four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14. And uh, we're getting into some of these things that you all probably face as well. We've had some of these arguments. Hey, but all my friends are watching that movie. And you know, as a parent, you want to try that. Well, if all your friends were jumping off a bridge, would you? And you know what my son says? Yeah, that would be fun. So I don't go there. Sometimes they're even his, his other Christian friends. It's hard to be different, isn't it? We live in a world where especially people, everyone wants to be different in exactly the same way. Look at me, I'm different. Just like you, just like you, just like you, just like you. It's hard to be different. It's hard to not be able to watch all the things that you think everyone should watch. To not listen to all the things that you think you should listen to. It's hard if, you know, your weekends look different because you got this thing on Sunday. Church really cuts into a lot of stuff, doesn't it? It's different. Your culture is different. Your family may be different. You ever heard the term worldliness? Worldliness? What's worldly? I remember this definition someone gave me once. Worldliness is whatever makes righteousness look strange and sin look normal. Worldliness is whatever makes righteousness look strange and sin look normal. Do, do, you, under, do you understand what the danger is with all of the, the media that we take in? Online and streaming and TV and I'm not going to sit here and tell you you can watch this and this and this and this. You've got to figure that out with your parents and your pastor and everybody else. But you know what the danger is taking that all in? It's not that you, 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 you watch some, you know, risque PG-13 movie and then you go out the next day and you say, you know, I'm going to go do that. It doesn't work that immediately. But know what it does? It creates an atmosphere of normalcy. This is normal. What, what, what ESPN shows us is normal. What the Oscars will show us is normal. What, what every PG-13, that's, that's normal. It gives you a sense of this is what normal looks like. And pretty soon we are completely recalibrated that the Bible is not telling us what's normal. The world is telling us what's normal. And you're going to look strange in a world like that. And if you and I are spending... 10 times as much time doing this on our phones than we are looking on these pages, we're going to become what we behold. Worldliness is whatever makes righteousness look strange. To, 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 to wait until you're married, that, that's strange. To respect your parents, that's strange. 
to set aside Sundays for worship and rest. That's strange. Who does that? That's not anything that the world is going to show you. But listen, the influence of the Christian comes from being unusual. Now, some of you are saying, yes, finally something I can, I am very unusual. <laughs> well, not, 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 a, not a forced kind of just look at me, I happen to, I walk funny or I, you know, put on odd clothes. But no, a real, an, an unusual character, a counterculture, something distinct in the world. Because there's a conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And if you make peace with the world, you will find yourself actually not more relevant, but less relevant, at least to God. Our ability to make a difference in the world depends on being different from the world. You see what it says here uh, in verse 18? In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. People are supposed to see and say, there is something different about her. I don't even know if I like what she says about Jesus, but, but I can't deny that there's something different about her, the way she lives, the way she treats people, the way she dresses, the way he talks about uh, other people, the way he respects women. There's something different. That's what God expects. We live in a dark world. Have you ever, ever been in a cave? You ever been out in, in the middle of nowhere? You ever been up in the mountains somewhere and there's no lights from the city, there's no nothing? And you realize just how dark, dark can be. I remember being in a, in a cave on a couple of occasions, you know, on some field trip or something, and they turn off all the headlights and you, you really cannot see, see in your hand. It's dark. You know what's the, the, the good thing about darkness though? there's an even greater opportunity for the light. Because if it's noonday with the sun out and you shine a flashlight, nobody sees. But if you're in a cave and you have a flashlight, everybody knows. And so if you live in a dark world, in a dark place, the light is going to shine even brighter. That's what Jesus says, you cannot hide it. Verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Brilliant poetry, right? But it sticks with you. Hide it under a bushel. That was the best part of the song because you just hide it. On, no, you got to yell. It's not. Won't let Satan it out. Do you do that verse? I'm going to let it shine. Sometimes these little songs that we learn, as silly as they are, there's, there's something to them, and that one happens to come from Jesus. So a light of mine, not going to hide it. I'm going to put it under a bushel. Not going to let anyone blow it out. It's going to shine to be different, to be distinct. But here's the key, not distant. Can you get these two things? I'm different, but I'm not distant. What do I mean by that? I mean, it's one thing to say, well, I'm not like other people. I'm a Christian, and look at me. Uh, I'm, I'm light, you're darkness. Okay, but then some people who do that say, I'll be distinct, I'll be different, but I'm gonna be distant. 
So I'm going to put all the world over there, all the bad people over there, all the people, all the, the, there's bad guys and there's good guys. I'm not mingling with any of them. I'm over here. I keep at arm's length from miles and miles away anybody that uh, doesn't look like me, doesn't act like me. Well, then how's the light going to shine in the darkness? You know, one time Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said that Christians are kind of like fertilizer. He said, if you get them all together and they huddle up for too long, they stink. But if you spread them out, they can really do a lot of good. Light. Light is going to shine if it's in darkness. So you want to be different, but you don't want to be distant. We have a light that has been kindled by Christ, the light of the world. He is the sun and we are the moon to reflect that light. Remember at Jesus' birth, it was announced that there would be a light shining to a people living in darkness. We are called the kingdom of light in the midst of darkness. So the eyes are upon us to see, will you shine or will you fade? Your behavior, your values, your priorities, your beliefs, they are a visible reflection of your Christian faith. So, so here's what I want you to get as we close. Jesus says to you, I want you to be yourself, but not be yourself in the sort of Disney way. I just look down as deep as I can and it turns out everything's good to me. No, he says, I want you to be yourself, who you are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you're salt. And if you're in Christ, you're light. Who, who might God want you to pray for or pray with? I have a friend. Um, you would, some of you know his name if I said him. He's, a, he's a, a well-known pastor. But he tells a story when he became a Christian. He, had a, he was playing football. And he, he, he had a guy on the football team who was a Christian. And he just came up to him after practice one day. And he said, hey, man, um, i got to tell you about Jesus. Do you want to do that now or, or later? <laughs> he's like, uh, okay, I guess later. <laughs> He told him about Jesus and became a Christian. Does it always happen like that? No. Do we all have to be that bold? No. But you know what? Some, sometimes that's what you do. Hey, man, I, I, I got to tell when Somebody's going to ask you, how was your weekend? And you can say, oh, wasn't the Super Bowl amazing? If the Patriots lose. <clears throat> okay? I went to school in Boston, so I'm not anti-Patriots. Um, Here's a little known fact. Did you know Frank Reich, the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, used to go to my church? True story. Look it up. He was the president of Reformed Theological Seminary right here in Charlotte. Huh? It's true. Now you're going you're to you're remember that and Chuck Norris from the weekend, okay? <laughs> go look it up. There was an article this week. You know, he played for the Bills. He's a Christian. He did these things. He went back into football. So that's another reason for, for the Eagles. Okay, somebody's going to ask you, how was your weekend? You can talk about the football. You can talk about the commercials. Or at some point you can say, you know what, you know what I did before that? I did this, this thing in uh, this church here, and it was pretty cool. Can I tell you about it? I learned about Jesus. You want to know anything about Jesus? And maybe for some of you here, this is, this is all new. And maybe you're bored silly, or maybe you're pretending to be bored, and you don't want to let on to anyone that you're actually interested, but you, you wonder if God is speaking to you. 
You wonder if in, in the midst of all this, God is saying something to you, and he's saying to you, you know what? I need this because I do see darkness in my life. I'm not just a theoretical sinner, I'm a real sinner and I need real forgiveness. Are you distinct? Are you distant? Are you a disciple? Maybe you realize that you're not the Christian your parents think you are. Maybe you realize you have a lot of the, 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 the sayings down, you have a lot of the, the, the patterns down, but your life really is not remotely like this. The profession of faith that matters nothing to you matters nothing to God either. And so what do you do? You repent, you believe, you turn to Christ, you turn to Christ. You shall call his name Jesus, the angel said, for he will save his people from their sins. Do you know the God who is light? Do you see the darkness in you? Are you willing to surrender that and say, God, I, I want your light. I'm not doing it my way anymore. I need your help, I need your grace, and I wanna shine. And I don't wanna hide it. I don't care who knows it. I'm a, I love you, Christ, and I'm a Christian, and no matter what it costs me, I'll be salt, I'll be light, and it will be so worth it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray for these, these young people. Don't know when we will see each other again. But I pray that you would continue to work in their lives to do amazing things, to do ordinary things, to, to teach them from your word, to grab hold of them. In particular, I pray for those who have been wandering and this weekend is helping to bring them back. I pray for those who are for the first time hearing these things and they need to talk to someone to learn more. I pray for the people here, the young men and women who, who've heard it all before, but it's not, it's not been real. Give them the courage to ask the questions that they need to ask and pray to you and open the word, repent, believe, learn, grow. All we have is Christ. We look to you. In Jesus' name, amen.